0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
0: Good morning. Holiday time here in Northern Ireland of course and the bonfires are well and truly up and ready to be lit. One of them of course lit last night and in the end passed off without incident to cocaine in Portadown. Investigations into any damage will be carried out during the course of this morning. Avenue looks like as if it will burn tonight regardless of what the council uh, wish for and there will be many others. The length and breadth of the land which will lead to very little in the way of course controversy, but significant damage will be done if it's only to the ground on which the fire has been built. Now, a sympathetic ear has been directed towards the bonfire builders in the form of a writing in a publication. Is that publication the Unionist Voice? Is it the newsletter? Is it the Daily Telegraph? No, it's the Irish news. The Irish news and the person with the sympathetic voice is Alison Morris of all people. Morning, Alison. Good morning. Alison, it's surprising writing from you this morning. You're, you're thinking that these young men, mainly young men who are, you know, wrecking the place uh, deserve some understanding.
1: I think that there's an issue in the 20 years I've been doing this, we can see that while we do talk about bonfires and there are still problematic bonfires, it's nothing like the way it would have been years ago when i had been reporting on bonfires up against interfaces and shots being fired at them and all sorts of mayhem happening all over as well. So I think that we're gradually getting better, but we clearly do still have bonfires such as the one in Portadown and such as the sort of standoff that's going on at the moment in Avonlea. But I, I, I think my column is not about those bonfires specifically, it's about the culture of bonfire building and a report that I think you covered in your show last week about young people and their attitudes towards bonfire building and the sort of sadness I think that when you go into some of these areas and talk to these young people that this is the highlight of their year, this is the thing they look forward to most and I think that that is where the failing of the peace has come in, that that these young people don't have something better to look forward to in their life than a bonfire, than a big pile of wood in a fire once a year. So they don't have educational achievement. They don't have access to further education or training. Um, and many times if they are employed, they're employed in zero-hour contracts, which means they'll probably never be able to afford a home or, or a car or any of the other things that young people that we remember saving up for. They don't have, you know, the the joy of going out and celebrating the night of their exam results, whether they be good or bad. They don't have the you know joy of sitting for a holiday with their mates, you know, to, to go away abroad for the first time. That their lives are very focused on one thing and I think that the amount of sectarianism that's still harboured in these areas, be it what we were talking about earlier earlier in the year, about the, the 12 and 13 year olds writing in and or be it young people hanging around, you know, piles of wooden tyres, you know, on the London Road in East Belfast. These things, I think, are very symbolic of the failings, political feelings, of, of our peace process. So the millions and millions of pounds in funding that we've got into these areas, and especially that we know through the controversial CIF fund and things like that, it has it has been a failure in terms of what these young people have achieved out of this. Because this is still the one thing that they look forward to rather than all the other things that the joy of youth should bring with it. And I think that there's an issue that political unionism needs to address within itself. I think that for many years it's been too easy to allow a community to basically devour itself and be very unempowered, and be very under the control of many paramilitary groups. And for a young person who then looks at social media and sees a man who, you know, is the alleged leader of some paramilitary group, you know, on six and seven holidays a year, swanning around in designer clothes and then posed in front of a bonfire. That gives them something to aspire to, that is the thing then that they say well if I can't get a job and the thought of further education or higher education university is completely alien to them because no one has ever told them that it's even possible, they don't know anyone who's ever went to university, no one in their families went to university, so it wouldn't even cross their mind to they even consider that they're good enough to do that. They've been pigeonholed and told that they are one thing and they will become one thing and therefore to become a senior figure in one of these paramilitary groups to have status within their own community to them is aspirational. And that is something that political unionism and political nationalism has failed in because rather than eradicate these paramilitary groups they funded them and the funded groups that are funded out by the leaders of these organizations and what we often hear is you know oh these ex-combatants have a role to play in rebuilding society and I'm, i agree with that and i'm all for that but you should not then be propagating these people and keeping because what this is doing is you're actually keeping those paramilitary groups alive they have no reason to leave the stage no reason to go go whenever we are making, you know, CEOs out of their out of their brigadiers and CEOs out of their commanders and putting them in charge of millions of pounds worth of funding. And I think that that is the issue that has kept us going much longer than it should have done. It should have been dealt with a very, very long time ago. And I think that this was not these young people's conflict. This was our conflict. So yeah. why are we passing it on to them? It's, it's hard and to... It's hard to... call... Yeah. So,
0: hmm. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with... Part of what you're saying in relation to the brigadiers and where all of the funding's going and where the focus is, because this has been discussed many times. But I'm trying to concentrate on the young lads who you described as possibly being eventually on a zero hours contract or never being able to save up to buy a car or they won't, like us it was the term you used, or like others, be able to save up to to go on on a holiday. Do you you not think you're you're overstating that? There'll be a lot of young fellas who will be building bonfires for the last three months that will come to a conclusion tonight and they'll dance around it and they'll yo-ho and drink, you know, Buckfast and shout whatever they shout, slogans that won't be very endearing to anybody. And... They'll go on actually to do okay in life. They'll they'll certainly have a car and they'll go to Magaluf for a fortnight and they'll bring up a a family and they could, you know, they could could work on a building site. You've you've painted them as complete no-hopers if they are bonfire builders.
1: No, I think that if you, what you need to do is you need to go and take a walk around some of these communities and see the lack of of hope and aspiration and among a lot of these young people, specifically the young men. And, and the fact is, yes, they could have all those things, but who do they see with all those things? They see the criminals in their community with that. And no matter what, what, how much they deny it, if you want to go in and build homes or resources or anything within some communities, you will have to pay protection money to an organisation. You will have. They ask the person who is the gatekeeper to that community, who is basically paramilitary group leader, is it okay to come in and do that? And that's what statutory agencies have to do. And that's something that has been turned a blind eye to by politicians for far too long. And so a lot of times they say, who do they see in their community, Frank, with the fancy car and with the fancy holidays? Someone who is a paramilitary, someone who has lived off the proceeds of crime and to them that becomes very aspirational. And if you never have no one has ever shown you any different, you don't know any different. So instead of keeping doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, I think that we need to think about these things completely differently. So tomorrow morning, you know, in the, the cleanup of, of the twelfth, we'll discuss the cost of and surfaces. We'll discuss the, the cost of, of clearing areas to the council and to the repairs and to everybody else. But you don't, you don't we start at said, and that's that's where I think that the problem is. So every year, me as a journalist, you know, the council of statutory agencies, we wait till these things are built, and then we all go, you know, at it, and we go, well, this has to move, and that has to move, and this is controversial, and get the police in, get the contractors in. And instead of starting at said, we need to start at A, so we need to start next week. And look at what we can do to stop this ever becoming such a such an important thing in someone's life that they're willing to basically get a criminal record they're willing to basically go against destroy you know property within their own community so instead of talking about this this time next year it should be talked about in august and september and october and looking at ways of the fact that you can have a bonfire it's part of Florida's culture it's not my culture i don't understand it but i mean i know that it, it holds great significance for some people but there are hundreds of bonfires that will take place um, across the north that will not cause any disturbance to anybody. And I think that we can look at ways that people can do that without turning it into their annual, you know, the highlight of their annual year. I mean, that report you looked up in the Iron News Forum I mean, these kids were saying it was their Christmas, it was better than their Christmas, it was it was everything to them. And while, you know, in some ways you can understand that if that's what you've been brought up to believe, that's what you will believe, you need to break that cycle. That can't be your everything, that cannot be the highlight of your year. You know, burning a load of wood in the middle of a housing estate should not be the highlight of any young person's year. It just shouldn't. And if that, if that is what the highlight of the year is, then we've all failed them. And the politicians have failed them, and the agencies that are tasked with looking after them have failed them. And I don't believe there's such a thing as a bad young person or a bad child. They're all a product of their own environment. We're all a project of a product of our own environment. You know, the opportunities that the people who come on my Twitter account this week criticizing because they feel that, you know, well they'll just be scumbags and rats and so what what are you defending them for? It's lovely for them that they have had a different outlook and a different opportunity in life, but not all people have. And I don't think that we should just write off a section and say, well, no to do, just what are we going to do? Build a Trump-style wall around them and leave them in there by themselves? Or are we going to actually make an attempt to try and go and pull some of them along with us? Because the fact is that we're meant to have a peace process to make our lives better. And it's not in some places. It is where I live and it is where my children live. And some of us have definitely benefited and brought survivors in peace. And I feel like I I had the peace dividend from peace coming from West Belfast. My children's life changed after the the ceasefires. But in some places their lives didn't change. And that is a massive failure, I think, on so many people's part.
0: Yeah, but do we not run the risk even by having this conversation, Alison, considering that people who are listening know my background. They, they know I've got a, a GAA background. I've got, I went to a Catholic school. I, I come from. What would primarily be described as a, a nationalist village? That, that, you know, that's my, my background. Whether or not I buy into all of that is, is irrelevant, but that, that's my background. Your background is, is, is a background working for a newspaper which clearly is writing for a nationalist audience. And you would have an understanding of growing up in a part of Belfast that wouldn't have seen, uh, 12th of July. Uh, bonfire, do, do we not run the risk of, to some extent sounding patronising towards working class Protestants?
1: Well I mean I was working classes to come when we did used to build bonfires when I was a kid, there it was, it was a bonfire at the top of our street every August when I was a child and I remember collecting wood for it, although a very different type of bonfire it was basically full of people's old furniture and you know, scabby sofas and mattresses and everybody got flea bitten by them Um, And that stopped because there was so much trouble and so much conflict and so many people died at that time of year. And if you you get lost lives about the documents, the deaths, the troubles, and you look through the week of the 9th of August and every year up into that, you'll see a catalogue of people who died in all sorts of different circumstances because of the trouble that surrounded them. And as we know, that is where the West Belfast Festival came from. And those bonfires stopped and something else replaced them. And that is happening in in a lot of um, loyalist communities where they're starting to replace the bonfires with beacons and and trying to have positive engagement and you can have panel talks and talk about the loyalist culture and all the other things that go with it. But instead of this, you know, macho measuring competition to see who can build the biggest biggest fire. um, I mean, I come from a a, a very poor and very working class background, you know, it was the yeah, I lived living in a three bedroom house and my mum was a cleaner Like there was nothing privileged about my background, but I know that I did have opportunities for education. I passed my lab and I went to grammar school. Um, my mum minded my children when they were small and let me go to work and let me go, go to college in the evenings. I had all that. Some people don't have that. You know, they just don't. And I, I think a couple of weeks ago I did a, a tour of Woodlands, which is a, the young detention centre down in, in Bangor. Um, And I will say that 70% of those young people in there every year who are incarcerated in that place are are from the nationalist community. You know, crime and antisocial behaviour does not belong to one side of the community or the other. But none of them are bad. You know, when the staff working down there will say, if you heard the lives that some of these children have and where they came from and the lack of love and the lack of protection and the amount of abuse that has been done in their lives, you then can't, you can then understand why they went on to do the things that they did. Um, and I think that what they're trying to do is address the problem of that, you know, go back to the start and address the trauma in their lives and when it happened and intervene then, rather let it get to the point where they become, you know... Uh, hamsters in a prison cycle wheel where they're just getting out and re-offending, getting out and re But the same thing happens when you come to communities like, like the Craig and like places down in Lurgan, like West Belfast, where there's a lot of antisocial behaviour or like parts of, of East Belfast. And when you talk to those kids, no matter where I go to work, they're all the same children, you know, they all, they're all sort of a bit funny and a bit mad, you know, and they all say the same same sort of things but there's so much potential there that isn't being harnessed and and that can come through the fact that the investment that went into those areas didn't go directly to those children. I mean, the money that's being spent, that was spent this week to send contractors into the London Road to remove all those cars. Had those towers not been there, that money could have been redirected into facilities in that area. And the boxing club, you know, in the soccer pitch, and the building, you know, an all-weather pitch for them. And to even take them away on some sort of residential where they can have a wee bit of joy and a wee bit of happiness in their life. We're squandering money on things that we shouldn't be squandering it on, but we're addressing it at the back end of it. So we're going straight to A instead of starting at A. Let's address what's making this happen every year. Let's address that. It's got some hope in their lives, that their lives are full of joyous events. Every week has a joyous event that's up to look forward to. Every Friday night's a joyous event, and it isn't just focused on one day of the year when you're standing around a big, massive fire.
0: Alison, we really appreciate your description. Uh, Eloquent.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.